Amen. Come on, somebody. The worship, compassion, and Honduras, all that. Let's just, yeah. Come on. We, uh, we came here full of faith this morning, poured out uh, our praise to the Lord already. I believe, uh, I believe he was honored. I believe he's going to bless that. I'm so excited for, for today. Welcome for those who uh, haven't had the pleasure of meeting yet. My name is Raf. I'm associate pastor here at Relentless Church and just super excited to be here with you all and share this Compassion Sunday together. Um, if you are new with us or maybe it's been a while, um, uh, we, Relentless, entered a, a partnership with Compassion uh, about three and a half years ago, uh, specifically in, in a community uh, called La Ceiba, Honduras. Okay, and I just want to tell you just a quick snapshot of kind of how we landed there, how we got there. We were looking for uh, a place uh, that was easy enough, close enough for us to actually be able to visit. Uh, that was important to us. We also had some Spanish speakers in our church already, so we thought that would be helpful for translation, so we wanted a Spanish-speaking country. And then we reached out to Compassion and also said we want a, we want a, a place where people haven't, aren't being reached right now. We, want, we wanted a new church and an area where, where kids uh, were, were really in need. And so through all of that, we landed on um, Honduras and and again, uh, this town called La Ceiba. And to date, uh, we currently, as a church, uh, support, sponsor 59 kids in La Ceiba, Honduras, which is awesome. Yeah. And, and I told you, I came believing and expecting and hoping for, for more today. We're going to have the opportunity uh, to sponsor some more. We're going we're gonna to get to that. We've also had one trip. Uh, we had another one in the works, but in 2019, we went to uh, Honduras, had our first team go, five uh, brave souls, and had an amazing trip and, and uh, really started building what for us is going to be a long-term relationship with uh, some people down there in the community, got to meet our compassion kids and, and all that stuff. It was really great. We had another one planned that obviously got, got um, postponed because of the pandemic, and as you saw in the video, man, because of the pandemic and 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 hurricane after hurricane that was that was hitting. There's our sponsorships now. If you currently sponsor a child, uh, first of all, thank you, thank you, and it means and it matters more than you might ever realize on this side of heaven. And they need it now more than more than ever. Okay, and, and, and so uh, if you don't know a sponsorship, what it you, you saw some of it in the video there, but what it means, what it what it gives for that child is it provides um, consistent medical checkups. Okay, healthy food. Uh, education, assistance, key life skills, training. Okay, you heard t tutors that come, not just teach them educationally and, and, and things that they need for life, but also someone to, to let them know there's someone who loves them, who's in their corner. And then most importantly, uh, I think for them and for us, right, sponsoring these, these children uh, gives all of us the opportunity to see the truth of the gospel in action. Okay, to, to, to see, to experience the transformational love of, of Jesus Christ. And so I love that scripture that uh, he referenced in the video uh, where it's Jesus says, uh, he was quoting Jesus, what, what, what you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you, you did for me. Um, it reminds me, uh, reminds me of uh, my, my son, actually, a story with my son I'll share briefly. Uh, my, my youngest uh, little boy, his name's RJ. He's four years old. He turned four in May. I've been telling people recently, he's really coming into his own. He's like feeling himself now. He's growing physically. His personality's growing. His everything is like big now, you know, and, and he, he's, he's, he knows it. And, and so he's testing his boundaries with that, okay? And, and uh, one of the things uh, he has is uh, probably like a lot of little boys, a really special relationship with his mom, okay? Real time. 
tight. He's, he's, I don't want to use the term mama's boy, but I think it all the time, okay? He's, <laughs> right? He's, it's, it's close, man. I'm fighting against it. But, uh, but, but um, she pretty much, he knows, man. She's, she, he's got her. And so he, he, he gets pretty much whatever he wants when he kind of goes in that direction. And, and so uh, one of the things uh, for him, and we've been pretty good about not letting the kids sleep in our bed, like my daughters every now and then, but it was like, we did pretty good about it. I can't, if I feel him, if I hear him, if I, that door cracks open, I'm up and now I can't go back to sleep. So no kids in my bed at all, ever. And then this kid comes along and he just, every night he wants to sleep in our bed. And finally, like I had enough. And so I start locking the door at night so he can't get in. I lock the door, I go to sleep, I'm, I'm snoozing, right? And so he comes the other day, uh, uh, recently he, he comes in the living room. I hear him go right to my wife. He's whispering, but he's got like the loudest whisper, right? So he doesn't want me to hear, but I hear it clearly. He's like, mommy, mommy, when you go to bed tonight, can you wait till daddy falls asleep and then unlock the door so I can sneak into your bed. <laughs> I'm like, I hear everything. I know the plan. Sure enough, I wake up in the morning. The kid's jumping on my bed. She, she did it, right? He's in there with us. So, so it, it's funny and it's fun in a lot of ways, but it, I say he's testing as well. And it's my job as a parent to kind of catch that and, and tell him what the healthy boundaries are. And, and one of the things is um, because he's so tight with mom, he tries to get away with more than he, her than, than he does with me. And so I came home from work the other day and she says, um, you need to talk to RJ. He's not listening. He's not obeying. He won't do anything that I say. Like he's had a, he's had a terrible day. You need to sit him down. And, and uh, you know, he got in a fight with his sisters. He raised his hand to one of his sisters, all of that. So I sat him down. I said, I had to use the dad voice. You know what I mean? Like the, I mean business. I said, hey, that's my wife. That's my wife. What you do to her, how you treat her, how come you don't do that when I'm home? And he's, uh, his eyes are all big. You know what I mean? You wait till, and then you do that to, to my, you do that to my daughters, right? And he's, his eyes are, and I'm like, listen, I want you to understand what you do to them, you do to me. How you treat them, act as if you're, you're treating me that way, right? And, 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 you know, it gets a little teary. Now, of course, I feel bad. I give him a hug. I'm like, look, I love you. I just, it's my job to teach you, all right? But, but um, you know, I gave him a hug and he learned and he understood and, and we're getting there, right? And it's, it's, it's a little bit different than what Jesus is saying, but the principle is the same. Because the context of what Jesus is, is saying, that, that verse is from Matthew 25, verse 40. Okay, uh, the king will reply, Jesus speaking of himself, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. And, and the context of what he's talking about is Jesus is actually talking about his return. He says, all the nations will be gathered and I'm gonna come back and claim my people. And he says, like a shepherd, I'm gonna separate, like a shepherd, shepherd excuse me, a shepherd separates the, the goats from the sheep. There's gonna be some of you on the right, some of you on the left. And he says to the, the sheep on the right, I'm gonna, you're, you're gonna receive your inheritance. You're gonna receive the kingdom of heaven is, is yours. And he starts telling them how, how they're gonna be blessed, how they're gonna be with God in eternity forever. And he says, because when you saw me uh, hungry, you gave me food. When you saw me thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was in prison, you came to visit me. When I was sick, you cared for me. And they're like, wow, Jesus, thank you. That sounds amazing. Except when did we ever see you sick? When did we ever give you food? When did we ever uh, uh, clothe you? And he says, when you did it for the least of these, you were doing it for me. And, and, then, and then, of course, he, he has to address the people on the other side. And he says, they're like, Jesus, what are you talking about? He says, you saw me hungry. You saw me thirsty. You saw, I was in prison. You never helped me. I, was, I had no place to sleep. You didn't, give, you didn't open your doors to me. And they're like, what are you talking about? Jesus, we would never do that to you. And he says, yeah, but when you didn't do it for the least of these, you didn't, you didn't do it for me. You didn't do it for me. Jesus is saying, hey, 
when I come back to claim my people, this is us, right? Here's, here's how I'm going to tell them apart. Those who care for the least of these, those who help those in need, that's how I know you're with me. This is us, Relentless Church. This is who we are. Why? Because this is who Jesus was. Because this is who God the Father is. And it's who he calls his church to be. The God of the Bible has always had a heart for the least of these. And specifically, he has always had, always had a special place in his heart for children. Okay, uh, I'll just give you a few examples quickly from, from the Old Testament. All right, Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 18. He defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow and loves the foreigner residing among you, giving them food and clothing. Exodus 22, verse 22. Do not take advantage of the widow or the fatherless. If you do and they cry out to me, I will certainly hear their cry. Last but not least, Psalm 68, verse 5. Father to the fatherless, defender of widows, this is God. This is God whose dwelling is holy. This is God telling us, right, in his own word, who he is, who he is, right? It's who he's always been from the, from the very beginning. We see it all throughout scripture in the Old Testament, and then we see it again, ushered into the New Testament in his son, Jesus Christ, the living, breathing, loving representation of the invisible God here on earth. The word became flesh. This is Jesus, right, who, who, again, we see it in the way he lived and everything he did throughout his, his ministry. The, the same Jesus who, who when his disciples were, were uh, you know, do, thought it was grown folks' business and they're doing ministry and some little kids tried to come on in and, and they kept them aside and said, get out of here and shoot them away. And Jesus stopped everything and said, no, 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 bring the child to me. Right, Jesus, who, who lifted a child up actually as an example of the type of faith it would take to enter into the kingdom of God. He said, be like this child. Y'all got it twisted. You want to see faith? Look at them. We don't shoo them to the side. We lift them up. Aspire to have that kind of faith. Right? Jesus, who spent most of his time feeding, healing, helping, loving, listening, and, and, and ministering to the poor, to the, to the weak, to the sick, to the defenseless, to disenfranchised, to the least of these brothers and sisters of mine. This is who Jesus was, it's who he is, it's who he always has been, and it's who he calls us to be as his followers. James, uh, the brother of Jesus, who uh, was a leader in the early church, here's how he put it in uh, James chapter 1, verse 27. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. James, so when you, say, when you hear religion, right, something comes to your mind. Whatever that is for you, maybe it's, maybe it's coming to church every Sunday, uh, braving through it and going to lunch afterwards. Maybe it's, it's, it's reading your Bible like nonstop or praying all the time, or, or maybe it just gives you a negative kind of image and you're like, I want nothing. Whatever it is, right, we hear religion, we think religion, we, we get an image, we think about what it means, okay? James is saying, put all that to the side. Let me tell you what true religion is in the eyes of my Father in heaven. It's taking care of, of, of orphans and widows, it's, 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 this is what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. It means you, you go out of your way to take care of the least of these. It means you, you, you're, you're compassionate and you're caring to all those who are in need. James is both describing and prescribing the life of a Jesus follower here. Right? In, in other words, he's saying, this is us. 
This is us. This is what it looks like, and this is what we do, okay? And in doing so, he's, he's not just giving us something to do. It's not just a command. He's describing who we become when we give our lives to Jesus Christ. When we surrender to him and start living for him and no longer ourselves, you can't help but become the type of person like Jesus was, who sought out the least of these and did whatever he could to help them. This is who we are. This is us as followers of Jesus, and this is who we are, Relentless Church. Make, make no mistake. I want to be clear about that. And, and, and please understand, it's not because we're trying to earn our way into heaven. It's, it's not because uh, we want to check the box and say we were good, good people and get a good pat on the back. That's, that's not the motivation. It's not out of fear. It's not out of guilt. It's because of the gospel. It's because of the gospel, the incredible news of our rescue and adoption by God through Jesus. That's our motivation. Man, for Christ's love compels us, right? 2 Corinthians 5, 14. Pastor David preached it so beautifully last week, okay? It is the transformational love of God. Powered by the gospel of Jesus Christ that compels us. That's what drives us. That's what inspires us. That's what motivates us to become who he created us to be all along. A light in the darkness, a, a hope for the hopeless, a, a loving neighbor, a humble servant who sees a need and meets it. And who is in greater need than a child at risk? Who's in greater need than a, than a child in poverty? Who could be, what could be closer to the heart of God? That's why I love Compassion Honduras' slogan. I don't know if you caught it. He, he mentioned in the video, their, their slogan for Compassion Honduras is changing generations. Changing generations. I love that because it's a reminder of, of, of what we get to be a part of here at Relentless Church. And again, don't, don't miss it, okay? That's exactly what we're doing. That's exactly what we're doing in the name of Jesus Christ and in partnership with Compassion and the local church on the ground there, okay? We are, we are a, a part of a movement. We get to be. God has given us the opportunity to be a part of a movement that is changing a generation in Maceba, Honduras. It's a beautiful thing. And I'm so excited this morning uh, to introduce my, my friend. We have a guest speaker today, okay? He is, he is a, a, a Compassion alumni. And I don't want to get into his story because that's what he's going to tell. But I, I do want to say this is, there, there is no better example. This is a real-life living example of what generational change looks like, okay? When the gospel moves and God's people partner with other, his other people in another part of the world and, and God does his thing, this is evidence of what that looks like. And so with, without... Uh, any further ado, man, I want to invite my, my friend, Gerald Lorenzo, up. Give him a warm, relentless welcome, please. Thank you. Wow. Wow. I just want to say thank you to Ralph, to the senior pastor, too. Thank you to the worship team. You have blessed my life. And... Um, like you were singing, God is enough in our life. God is enough in our life. As Pastor Raph said, um, I am a compassion child, right? Or I was a compassion child. And there are three things that I want to mention to you this, this morning. Number one, 
is that God's plan is more powerful than poverty. And that's the reason because I am here today. Number two, without your help, we cannot release children from poverty. And number three, number three, and you are going to see that one in the, in the screen, Jesus and the church are more powerful than poverty. Jesus and the church are more powerful than poverty. So today I'm going to open my heart. I'm going to tell you my story. I'm going to tell you how was my life before Compassion, during Compassion, and after Compassion International. And as pastors say, this is real. I was one child in a packet many years ago. So when I was four years old, my father, he left the house, and my mother had to raise my brother and me all by herself. And from that age, I never knew what it was like to have a father. Everything changed in my life because I had to deal with a lot of things. I had to deal with extreme poverty. I had to deal with no money to eat, no money to dress, and no money to have an education. So everything changed in my life because my father left the house. I am pretty sure that many of you know what a roller coaster is. And if you know that, that was my life when I was a child. So I grew up in a lousy neighborhood in, in Santo Domingo where drugs, illegal weapons, crime, and poverty were my daily bread. And I remember, I remember during my childhood how the traffickers were selling drugs in the corner by my house. So one thing that I remember of my story, and one thing that I want to mention to you is that not having a father, it is hard. But it is harder when you don't mean anything to your father. Not having a father, it is hard. But when you know that you don't mean anything to him, that, that's, that is harder. So my father, he was a police officer. And he never, he never had time for me. And I remember um, that my father never called me to say happy birthday, never called me to say something, like, important for me. And one day, one day, I decided to call my father. That, that moment was, I remember that that was a Monday in the morning. I was supposed to go to my school. But I decided to call him because in my house, we have a, uh, food to eat. And I remember that moment when I decided to call him, and after 14 attempts, he decided to pick up the phone. And I told him, hey, Dad, you know what? We are here in the house. We don't have food. And I remember when he told me, come to the police department and wait for me. I'm going to give you some money to buy food. When I got to the police station, my father wasn't there. That was 7 a.m. in the morning, and I was waiting, my father, around nine hours, and my father never showed up. So I don't know if you can imagine a child, 11 years old, 10, 10 to 11 years old, waiting his father in a police department that was me. And one of my dad co-workers decided to call him because he saw me and he asked me, hey, are you the Lorenzo's son? And I said, yes. He said, no, 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 let me call your father. 
and he called my father. And I remember that I told to him that I haven't had breakfast. I hadn't had eaten. I'm here from, from this morning from 7 a.m. It is 5 p.m. And you are not here. And I remember like today when he told me, go to your home. I'm going to talk to you later. So that was frustrating for me because I was supposed to go to my school. I decided to go to the police department because my father promised me that he's going to give me some money to buy food. And he never showed up. There was something that affected my life a lot. And it was that like three years after that moment, I knew that my father was living just a five minutes away from my house. Five minutes living away from my house. And my father never, never, never stopped by to say something. My father never stopped by to say hello, to say happy birthday, to ask for me. He never did that. And as a result of that, I had to, I had to walk to my, to my uh, school. You are going to see the picture here. Around six kilometers with my broken shoes every day from Monday to Friday. As a result of that, I have to ask my neighbors um, for bottles of Coca-Cola. You're going to see that. And maybe you are, you are wondering, okay, Gerald, what are you doing with this bottle of Coca-Cola? Here is the answer. I was exchanging those um, bottles of Coca-Cola in the mini market for bread and milk just to eat the only meal of the day. And I had to go and sell empanadas and juice on the street to survive. So I was, I was a child, and we were frustrating. We were frustrated, um, and I was thinking, like, I don't want to live. I don't want to be here in the earth. But I remember, I remember something that changed my life. And it was the time when my mom, in the middle of this desperation, without without hope in the middle of, of this uh, poverty life that we were living, I remember that moment when she decided to go to a Christian school because in those years, Compassion was working not, not just with the local church. Compassion was, was working also with a, with a Christian school. And I remember the, here is, a, is, a, is this uh, school. Compassion had a partnership with this school. And my mom, uh, she was working there. And let me tell you something. She decided to talk with, uh, with the director of the school. And they decided to apply for a compassion program for me. And they accepted me. And you know what? That was the moment that changed my life. Because a man from a church... In London, United Kingdom, decided to take a package and say, I want to sponsor Gerald Lorenzo from the Dominican Republic. That was the moment when I started seeing food, transportation, uniform, 
to go to my school. That was the moment that when, when, when all the things in my life started to change. I remember, and I always love to say that because I remember that day that Compassion, some, some guy of the Compassion uh, went to my house and they were like trying to see the condition of our living in, in this house. And we were sleeping on the floor because we haven't any bed. And I remember that moment that compassion gave me a bed to sleep. Compassion International, Compassion International was the organization that provide for my family. And not just for me. This is, you call to this bed, the twin bed, right? What is the name? You, you know, yeah. Yeah. And you maybe are wondering why this bed. Because compassion, when compassion came into your life, when compassion came into your family, it is not just to, to, to help these children that is part of the program. They try to help everybody in the house. So it wasn't just me. My brother, too, he was sleeping on the floor. And they say, no, we need to do something. We need to do something to both of you. And that was the first time that I remember that I was able to sleep in a bed. The good news is that through Compassion International, through Compassion International, my mom, my brother, and I accepted Jesus Christ. And you are going to see this. And now, you know what? My mom, she's a co-pastor in a church in the Dominican Republic. My brother, my brother, he plays the piano in the same church. And he is also working as an external host for Compassion Dominican Republic. So we are a great example that a whole family can be changing just sponsoring a child. Let me tell you something about my sponsor, Brian Bilson. There is a truth, and it is that I never met my sponsor. I never met my sponsor in person. But there is, compassion has something that is called letters. And through the letters, I create a bond of a father and son that I never knew before. And when my father never called me to say happy birthday, to say something, I was always receiving letters from my sponsor and his family telling me, hey, Gerald, we are here in the table now. We are in our house. We know that it is your birthday, and we want to wish you the best of your birthday. We just want to let you know that we are thinking in you and that you are part of us. I remember in Christmas, many, 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 many letters just telling me, we want to wish you the best of the Christmas and you are important in our life. So I never met my sponsor, but I create this relationship with him. But what is happening now? 
And I, I always want to say thank you to, to Brian Wilson because he took that decision and that decision provided for me food, transportation, uniform, everything. But let me tell you this. What is happening now in my life is that my life is not a roller coaster anymore, thanks God. So I am married to a beautiful woman from the Dominican Republic. Her name is Vanessa. But we got a baby girl, my baby Valerie. Let me tell you this because it is important to let you know that because my sponsor one day decided to sponsor me because Jesus came into my life. I'm not going to repeat the same story as my father. So now I have a bachelor's degree in business management thanks to Compassion International. I have a certification in Christian leadership. And in this picture I say thanks God, thanks Compassion because it was through compassion, thanks to, the, to my sponsor, because my sponsor, he decided to, 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 to took my package, and thanks to the local church, because it was through the local church, it was through my Christian school that I received Compassion International. I am also working and helping a lot of people here in the United States and in the Dominican Republic with immigration services, and I am the youth leader of my church here in Florida. So to have Jesus in my life changed everything, everything until today. And at the end of my, my story, I want to show you a picture that, that, I, that I always say that this is one of the most important pictures of my life. But before that, I want to tell you a part of my story that occurred two years ago. Because sometimes I, I am here, and you are seeing me here. But I want to talk to you about another lady, another girl that, that is from the Dominican Republic. Two years ago, and you can show the picture, two years ago, my mom she was diagnosed with something called Chiari Malformation 2. This is like a, like a little uh, tumor in the spinal cord. And I remember that when my mom called me and she was diagnosed with this, the doctor said she needs to be um, performed, we need to perform the surgery. She need undergo to the surgery. And I say, okay, let's do something. Come here to the United States. And let's go to a hospital here. And let's see what the doctors say. Because in the Dominican Republic, there wasn't a doctor that can perform this surgery. And let me tell you this. When she came to the United States two years ago, and we went to that doctor, the doctor said, your mom needs the surgery as soon as possible. 
And I say, okay, don't worry. We are going to do the surgery. So how much is? And he say, let me prepare the budget and let me prepare everything because your mom needs to do the surgery as soon as possible. When he come back and he gave me the, the, the budget, it was $55,000. A lot of money. And I remember that I say, okay, you know what? We are going to do that. <laughs> and he say, are you sure? And I say, yes. And he say, but your mom doesn't have any insurance here in the United States. Don't worry about the insurance. Don't worry about the money. We are going to do that. We were praying. We were like knocking doors, talking with pastor, telling the people if they can help my mom. And my mom decided to come back to the Dominican Republic, and somebody called her to go to see a doctor. When she went to that office, somebody called me over there and say, because she was speaking about me, she said, hey, I want to talk, I want to call my, my son in the United States because you want to know everything about what is happening here. And she mentioned my name, my mom. And there was a doctor there. New Jerusalem Vargas. And she say, can you say that again, the name of your son? And she say, Gerald Lorenzo. And I say, Gerald Lorenzo. And she say, was Gerald Lorenzo in Compassion International? Listen. And my mom say, yes. And, he, and she say, the doctor say, you know what? If your son calls Gerald, and he was in Compassion International, you are my mom. And I remember that they called me from the doctor's office. And she told me, hey, Gerald, the doctor, she told me, hey, Gerald, it's New Jerland. And I say, New Jerland. And she said, yes, do you remember me? I, we, I, we were part of the Compassion International. I was a, a sponsor child. And I say, oh, New Jerusalem, yes, New Jerusalem. How you doing, New Jerusalem? And she say, I just want to tell you that don't worry about your mom. Your mom is going to be okay. I am a neurosurgeon here in the Dominican Republic. I did some um, specialty out of the country. And I want to tell you that we are going to perform the surgery of your mom and not cost. So we pay zero dollar. We don't pay nothing. And who was the doctor that was part of this surgery? New Jerusalem Vargas, who was an sponsored child. And that happened two years ago. Two years ago. So the last picture that you are going to see, because sometimes people ask me about how is your relationship with your father now? Because you are Christian, and you are talking about compassion, and you are praying, and you are teaching to the, to the youth in the church. How is your relationship with your father? And here is the answer. So a few years ago, on November November 3, 2017, my father passed away. But God allowed me to go to my father's house 
and talk to him about the gospel of Jesus Christ and forgive him. And you know what happened? My father accepted Jesus Christ before he died. Because, like I say, when Jesus came into your life, he changed everything. He changed everything. So at the end, I want to conclude with this. And it is that when you sponsor a child, you are not only sponsoring a child. You are changing a life as my life. You are changing a family as my mom and my brother. And you are impacting an entire generation as my daughter and as all those young guys that I work in my church. Thank you so much, and thank you for having me here, Pastor Raph. Come on. Yeah. Thank you, brother. That's a beautiful, beautiful testimony. Thank you. Man, yeah, yeah. God, I, I have nothing to add to that, right? It's, you know, look at God. He is, he is faithful. He is faithful. That's, that's who he is, okay? And, and this is us, Relentless Church. Let's, let's be who we are, right? Who he's called us to be as, as followers of Jesus. And so let me, let me just give you some, some, some instructions. Um, I just, I have to say this before we get into that. Just, I can't help but imagine, right? Just picture 10 years from now, a child and Laseba Honduras right now, who's being sponsored by Relentless Church, being able to stand on a stage, maybe this one, right, and tell their testimony and tell their, their story about how God, how the power of the gospel changed their life through some, some faithful people at a church in, 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 in Raleigh, North Carolina. And, and so, come on, I'm believing and expecting and praying for that. We got 31 kids right now, okay, kids who need a sponsorship, who need a sponsor. We have, we have uh, 13 kind of that you can look at, packets right out there live in the flesh. You can check out as you go out. Not live in the flesh, it's a paper, but you know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Uh, and then we have 18 of them online, okay? Just, uh, it's a special link directly to our uh, Compassion Center. Um, and, and so those kids are there waiting to be uh, online. If you go to, uh, for those of you watching online or if you want to go home and check it out, uh, relentlesschurch.cc, click on the global tab and there is our Compassion link right there. And there's about 18 kids right now there ready uh, to be sponsored. And uh, I love that. Uh, I think her name was Sophia from the video, you know, who opened and closed it. And she said, we're praying for you. I think she mentioned a couple times, I'm praying for you guys. That's one of the most encouraging things for me, right? When we, we, we have a compassion child and uh, we, we write them and we think about how we want to help them and help lift them up out of poverty. And every time they write us, she says, ask about what's going on in our life, what's going on in our kid's life. And they pray for us and they're, they're faithful in that. I mean, it's, it's, it's a, a mutual relationship that God is using to bless everyone involved. And you see that in, in Gerald's story too. And so um, I know that would, that would be his sponsor's testimony as well. And so um, on your way out, I'm going to pray here in a second, but please stop by the compassion table. If you've got questions, grab a packet, sponsor a child, go online and sponsor. Cause I'm believing again in faith, all these are going to be gone in a few minutes. So you're going to have to go online and get some if you really want one, but, but let's, let's show up and show out uh, for our brothers and sisters in La Seba, Honduras. All right, let's pray. 
Jesus, thank you so much for this day, God. I thank you for my brother Gerald and, and God, just for his, his testimony, God, uh, his testimony of your faithfulness, your love, your grace, Lord, and how you're using it in, in his life. And God, I'm just so grateful for him and for his ministry and the good work he's doing uh, right now, um, God. And so, so thank you for him. And we lift him and his family up to you, Lord. And, and I thank you for this church, God. And thank you for, for God saving us, for 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 um, Lord, loving us, God, for your grace and your mercy, Lord. And we know that you've blessed us, uh, God, so we can also be a blessing to other people. And so I'm praying for every every child in La Ceiba, Honduras right now, God, we, we, we lift them up to you. We know, God, that, that um, they are not alone, that you're with them, that you're for them, God. And we are grateful for the opportunity to partner with you in that, God. We love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, y'all. Have a great week.